0: Troll 2. Are there any trolls in the <laughs> There is n- not a single troll. <laughs> he has morals, even though he's an atheist. You cannot say something like that. <laughs> yeah, I was the guy throwing the Molotov cocktail. Of course. <laughs> Anytime
1: the Queen was on the screen, you had to be drinking constantly. <laughs> it is hard to like this film.
0: <laughs> I don't want to be interacting with Liam Neeson's c***. The movie wave. It was just good fun. Hello, everyone. Uh, It's episode 30 of the Movie Wave podcast. I am your host, Sergio Calvo. And with me today, we have film critic and editor of White Coffee magazine, Christopher Smale. How are you, Chris? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you back on the show for our traditional top 10 episode. Good, uh, good to be back. We're going to be talking about our favorite films of 2012. Uh, we will give, our, we'll give a list with our particular top 10 uh, films of 2012. And we will also pick our uh, biggest disappointment of the year. Mm-hmm. But let, let's not waste a minute. Let's get on with it. Uh, what's your number ten, Chris?
1: Uh, my number ten is uh, Lawrence uh, Anyways, uh, a film that really divided uh, kind of critics this year. Though most, to be fair, kind of fell in the negative uh, category with more than a few uh, one-star reviews. But I kind of liked it. Um, it's directed by French-Canadian prodigy uh, Xavier Donon. Um It's his third feature. Uh, as a director, and by far is kind of most ambitious. Uh, it's kind of a three-hour-long odyssey that, that charts the decade-long struggle of a man's transformation into a woman. It's, right. it's it's kind of far too long and a bit pretentious, but because it's Xavier on and he's one of my favorite filmmakers, I kind of had to include it on my list. Um, I think he has as a, I think he has a great gift with words. I think he writes very witty dialogue, and you can really kind of hear uh, in Lawrence Anyways, and of course the. The visuals, I think, are stunning. Um, I think it's a really beautiful film. Um, a hard, a hard watch. I think hard film to watch, but it's uh, very beautiful. Au début, quand je t'ai vu, Fred, j'ai pensé que ça s'en irait. Je t'aime tellement. Proust explique beaucoup pour mon goût. 300 pages pour nous faire comprendre que tu tuteur, enculé, tactave, c'est trop. Ça fait 35 ans que je vis comme ça, et c'est un crime. Qu'est-ce qu'on va C'est très important. Il faut que ça sorte. Il faut que je te le dise your number 10, Lawrence Anyways.
0: Lawrence Anyways, uh, did it have a, like a general distribution? Like a general release? Uh, because I think it, and, and having heard about this film before. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I think it did have a general release, but it was a very kind of very small one. I, right, it it yeah. didn't show up in a lot of cinemas. So it was quite hard, quite hard films to, to get hold of. Um, okay. it's, it's worth a find, worth a look, definitely.
0: All right, my 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 number ten is it's also a a small film that uh, it it didn't actually have a general release. Well, it had only released, I think, only online. I'm not sure if it actually hit theaters. It (laughs) it might have, it might have in the US, but uh, it's one of these films that you can only get in um, online. um, How do you call it? Streaming.
1: Streaming, yes.
0: Online streaming because it's a very low low budget film, and it's directed by uh, Edward Burns. Um, It's called sorry, it's called Newlyweds. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, which is directed by Edward Burns. Who's been he's been making independent films for about sixteen years already, and uh, he he debuted a long time ago with uh, the, the film the, the Brothers McMullen. And since then, uh, it seems that the, you know brothers, uh, family, and siblings have been like the the big protagonists in his films. Mm. Yeah. And uh, in, in Newlyweds, we have this very annoying uh, half sister. That, that brings uh, conflict to, to the life of uh, this this couple, this this uh, recently married couple. And it's a film about uh, marriage and uh, both uh, romantic and family relationships. So it's about people. Uh, mm. It's all about you know the characters and the story. And the thing I really like about this film is that he uh, really understands people, so you can. Uh, Easily relate to, to to the characters and, and their feelings yeah. and the, their emotions, uh, and, and that's pretty much in the in the not not just in the in the acting, but it's it's in the writing basically, mm-hmm. uh, which is the the, the original source, and, uh, and and the writing is very good at dissecting relationships and, and its ups and uh, and its downs. Uh, we have uh, two couples, uh, one uh, uh, the. The, the recently married one and the other one have been married for a, for a long time. And at the dinner table, someone says that if you've been married for 18 years, even if the marriage ends today, you can you can call it a success. And mm. it, it's a funny line that, that feels very true and uh, very sad at the same time. And it, and yeah. it, it, it kind of uh, kicks off the story.
1: I heard that if you do not wake up at least one morning a week and look over at your partner and think, I have made a terrible mistake, then there's actually something
0: wrong. Well, Marsha feels that way every morning. So, yeah, well, there is, there is very good acting, as I said, uh, very natural and uh, the low-budget uh, guerrilla filmmaking style or the, kind of the documentary style makes the scenes feel very fresh and spontaneous uh, and unreal. Uh, even when you have bystanders looking at the camera... So I really enjoyed this film and I, I, I can't actually wait to to check out his the latest film, uh, The Fitzgerald Family Christmas, which, uh, which is actually out last Christmas and I think it did get a general release. I, I'm not sure if, it, if it's been released in the UK, but uh, I think in other countries it has. Uh, all right, Chris, what's your number nine? Uh, my number
1: nine is a bigger film. It's uh, Prometheus. All right, okay. It's got... Um, a uh, sci-fi film this year. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a great sci-fi film, I think. One that kind of pays homage to the greats of the genre and also to Ridley Scott's uh, previous work uh, in the sci-fi genre. You know, there was a lot of talk about it being like a sequel to Alien and, there's, um, and also kind of to Blade Runner as well. Um, it's a, a stellar cast. Uh, you've got, got um, Numi Rapace and uh, Idris Elba and Michael Fassbender. Uh-huh. visually it's it's very beautiful like the art direction is stunning you know you've got these it is yes. yeah you've got these extreme long shots of like these amazing well like, you, can, you can't expect
0: less from uh, really Scott can you? yeah
1: of course he always kind of brings it home in, in that regard um, and the action sequences and uh, the special effects are all uh, very good and lots of great characters and yeah I'm not usually a big fan of kind of sci-fi films but I really enjoyed this one so yeah That's my number nine, Prometheus by Ridley Scott. Doctors, Miss Vickers would like to have a quick word before the adventure begins. I think there might be some confusion about our relationship. Let's say you do find these beings down there. You won't engage them. You won't talk to them. You'll do nothing but report back to me.
0: I will give some thoughts about Prometheus later on. My number nine is "Once Upon a Time in Anatolia." Uh, mm. It's a Turkish film. It's it's kind of a crime drama about a group of uh, of policemen that they are searching for a for a dead body in the in the Turkish countryside. Uh, Very dark. <laughs> it is it is dark, and it's actually it's it's actually main p- big part of the film takes place in the night, uh, but it's beautifully shot, and the the night yeah. photography is really amazing. Uh, and it's, it's just basically people driving in the night and talking <laughs> so we follow them in, the, in their conversations uh, as the night goes on and uh, we, they interrogate the, 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 the murderer, the confessed murderer, the, they stop where, where he says the body is uh, then they can't find the body and they move on to another spot in the countryside <laughs> and uh, you see as the time passes by they, and they haven't found the, the body, they look more tired and more, more frustrated Mm-hmm. And uh, there, is a, there is a very good story that the, the, the pr- prosecutor uh, tells the, the doctor in the, in the film about uh, a woman who, who told her husband that uh, she would die in uh, five months. Yeah. And uh, she she actually dies exactly five months later. And for 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 the prosecutor, it's all like very mysterious. Yeah. But, but then you hear the doctor talking. Like he's got this very rational explanation to it, uh, and the explanation the the prosecutor doesn't like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's it's a conversation that reflects very well uh, the difference between the the truth that is uh, objective and the the the, the more convenient.
1: Herkes yaptığının cezasını çekiyor. Çocuklarsa büyüklerin günahını. Batı! 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 Dur lan!
0: You never ate
1: Chris... Uh, my number eight is Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom. All right, uh, a popular film this year amongst kind of critics and audiences, and um, it's a very heartwarming tale, featuring uh, an eclectic mix of actors, most of whom are kind of cast against type. You know, you've got Bruce Willis in a, a very rare kind of comedic role, which is a lot of fun, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and if, if you're not if you're not a fan of Wes Anderson, um, there's kind of there's not going to be a lot here to dissuade you or to kind of and uh, bring you over to his camp. I mean, all his hallmarks are there. You know, lots of 70s stylings, and um, like pastel colors, and the presence of Bill Murray, of course. Um, but for those of us who kind of really, who really kind of admire Anderson's work, um, Memorized Kingdom* really was a dream. Um, a really, really good film. Yeah, that's my number eight, Memorized Kingdom*. <clears throat> what kind of burger are you? I'm a sparrow, she's a dog. No, I said. What kind of bird are you? Dear Susie, here's my plan. Dear Sam, my answer is yes. Dear Susie, one. Dear Sam, where? Dear Susie, walk 400 yards due north from your house to the dirt path which has not got any name on it. Turn right and follow to the end. I will meet you in the meadow.
0: I liked it. I'm not a big fan of uh, of the director. It's uh, he's, he's 50/50. Some people
1: kind of love him. Some hate him. You know, it's I, it's. I think
0: people who don't like the director actually might find it more bearable. And I, I think yeah. it actually, uh, you know, many many, many critics are that they are not big fans of the the director. They're going for it. So, mm. and it's it's yeah. been in a lot, in, in a lot of the top ten lists already yep thank you uh, my my number eight uh, actually does have bruce willis in it <laughs> uh it's a looper um, uh it's no more rest <laughs> kingdom it's not sorry it's not not actually my list although i did i did enjoy it but cool. it's it's a looper um it's a time travel movie uh the in i think uh, that memory takes a big role in in, in this film so yeah. i, I I would say that uh, it's kind of like Back to the Future meets Memento, mm-hmm. and there are, I, ma- there are many things that we are we have already seen in other you know sci-fi sci-fi films. Uh, that uh, I think I think what makes Looper so different from the films from these sci-fi films that, that we have today is that the visual effects are are instrumental and the, the, the story actually counts. Yeah, uh, and in, in this film, it's all about how far we can get uh, uh, in order to protect the ones that, that we love. Uh, but there, there is also a very interesting uh, theme or under theme or sub theme about parental responsibility as well. Mm. Uh, I think that Ryan Johnson uh, makes uh, a sci-fi that actually kind of blends uh, elements from many other genres, and at the same time. Uh, I think that he still manages to have this very particular uh, voice, uh, yeah. uh, cinematic voice. Yeah. I think he's
1: a great. I think he's a very good director. I mean, great and Brothers Bloom. I think he's very accomplished. I think this is probably maybe his best film to date. I and mean, it's uh, yeah, a very accomplished film. Great sci-fi.
0: I, w- I wasn't very keen of the on the Brothers Bloom, but I think, I the, think the beauty brick. I, th- I thought that was. That was fantastic. Yeah, it's a great debut for for a new filmmaker. Mm. Time travel is used by criminal organizations to make people disappear.
1: They send them back in time to me, and I eliminate the target from the future. I never asked why, until the one they sent
0: back was me. Maybe one of the problems I have with the film is the the makeup that uh, Joseph Gordon-Lewitt... Is yeah, called. it's a little weird, isn't
1: it? It kind of, kind of throws you off a bit.
0: It is a bit over, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, they did, they did to make him look like Bruce Willis, but of course, yeah. I think it can be a little distracting. <laughs> I, I
1: agree, yes, it's a bit...
0: But still, like, I think the film is you know it's very clever and uh, very entertaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Yes, that's my number eight. What's your, your number seven, Chris? My number seven is uh, The Hunt.
1: Uh, a small Danish film. Mm-hmm. It's uh, directed by Thomas uh, Winterberg, who, along with uh, Lars von Trier, founded the, the now kind of infamous Dogma 95 movement in the 90s in Denmark. It's a, it's a very haunting tale about kind of the dark side of society and of, like, human nature. Uh, in a uh, kindergarten teacher, uh, he's falsely accused by one of his pupils of kind of a sexual abuse. And so, like, what happens is the, in- the inhabitants of the this very kind of quaint Danish Hamlet, where it's set, kind of transforms this very popular man into kind of a Frankenstein's monster. You know, they kind of turn against him. And Vinterberg, he kind of never makes it easy for the audience, you know. As anyone who's seen his uh, breakout hit Festin kind of will attest to this. He likes making the audience very uncomfortable. And this is very true in in The Hunt's case. And it's it's very grueling in places, and it is hard to watch. But there's no denying, kind of, I think, the skill behind the filmmaking... And at the center, the main performance by Mads Mikkelsen is very, very accomplished. I think he's a really, really great actor, and you really see it uh, in this film. So yeah, that's my, that's my film, The Hunt. Yeah, it's very pretty, recommended.
0: Yeah, it's gonna, like, be down. <laughs> i really want to see this film i haven't seen it yet i know that uh, you know it's got the di- director of uh, fest and celebration the, the doc- dogma 95 film and I, i'm a, i'm a big fan of the dogma films and uh, yeah so. uh, last one as well but uh, yeah I need, I need to check this out it does sound it does sound really interesting right my number seven is uh, tahir liberation square I already talked about about this film on the podcast. Uh, it was my favorite film of the Edinburgh International Film Festival. I, I um, don't know if uh, you, Chris, had an opportunity to watch
1: it. I, I didn't. I was at the festival, but I didn't. I didn't see that film, though. All right. Uh,
0: well, it 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 basically documents the the protests that took place in Tahrir Square in uh, in Cairo. Uh, it was a campaign to to, to get rid of uh, to overthrow the president Mubarak. Yeah, I thought it was kind of an immersive experience because uh, the director—it's it an Italian director, uh, Stefano Savona—who uh, not only directed it, he actually shot it. So I think he did a great job uh, documenting the, the events uh, uh, from the inside. I don't know how he managed to do it, but probably a digital camera, like he. he he's at the very heart of the the egyptian revolution he, yes. you see the camera walking through the the crowds shouting and chanting and, and also following some of the activists and mm-hmm. uh, you listen to their views on the the regime and the their the dreams uh, for a the dreams of a new government i would say for mm-hmm. a government for the people and mm-hmm. and it's not a conventional documentary with um, with voiceover and talking heads it's more like a it's more an immer- immersive experience and uh, we see the evolution of the protests to uh, violent conflict uh, the hard repression of the the state uh, a very strong uh, civilian resistance and uh, finally we see the resignation of Mubarak but the, the film i think i think it's smart enough to to kind of predict uh, that in some way this victory was just the start of a the start of, the, of a long fight. Yeah, a, b- a bigger picture. You might be able to find it on streaming, or uh, yeah. I don't know if it will come out on DVD. It didn't have, it didn't have a general release, but I, I did manage to catch it up at the festival. Yeah. Right, um, Chris, what's your number six? Uh, my number six is another
1: film uh, from the festival, Edinburgh film Festival. One I don't think has got a general release in this country either, uh, which is a shame. It's called uh, Home for the Weekend. It's a German film. It's screened as part of it, like the, the Director's Showcase series at the Edinburgh Film Festival. Uh, this is where I saw it. Um, it's, a, it's a very kind of subtle drama about this uh, upper-class uh, German family who live in this idyllic town. And it's about kind of the resulting fallout when the mother of the family decides to come off her like, antidepressant medication and how this affects uh, the family, but mostly how it affects her two adult sons who have... Returned home for the weekend, hence the hence the title. Uh, it's a it's a very stylish and elegant thriller, and an exquisitely kind of played out meditation on grief and regret. There's definitely kind of an air of I think Ingmar Bergman about the film. It's kind of got that cold uh, that cold feeling, that kind of placing characters under this very you know small, small uh, microscope to really kind of get inside their psyche. It's uh it's very intelligent, it's very beautiful, and it's probably quite hard to get a hold of. But if you can find it online. Or anywhere, I would uh, check it out. Yeah, home for the weekend. Number six. Ich Theater,
0: I never heard of it, but you know, I uh, I will try to find it. It sounds it sounds
1: and see what you find.
0: <laughs> right, uh, my number six uh, is easy to find. I would say it's a, it's it's not a it's not a blockbuster. It's an art house film uh, by Michael Haneke, Amour. If I pronounce it right, or Amour, Uh, he won the the Palme d'Or this year. It's actually Michael Haneke won his second Palme d'Or with this film because the first film uh, that he got the that got him the Palme d'Or was the White Ribbon a few years ago. Yes, uh, Amour is a film that really touched me. He addresses the issue of loss of a loved one Mm. and uh, how everything. One day everything is fine, and, and the day after everything, you know, can turn around, and uh, that's what happens to this elderly couple who they mm-hmm. come back from the from the theater, they come back home, and the 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 day after everything has taken a very dramatic turn.
1: Mais tu fais quoi? Tu avais laissé l'eau couler.
0: Dis donc, qu'est-ce qui t'arrive? Tu es complètement folle?
1: C'est une blague? Pardon? C'est une plaisanterie ou? Ça se veut une plaisanterie ou quoi Quelle plaisanterie Je ne comprends rien. qui passe So it, it, it
0: kind of addresses the in, inevitable, uh, something that we are have to say to face at some point uh, and he uh, mm. does it with uh, honesty and there is no sentimentality at all and it's still uh, full of emotions, of uh, you know, from kindness, uh, mm-hmm. pride, uh, despair. Uh, it's a bit sad to watch, and uh, it's uh, very slow. I would say the deliberately, deliberately slow, mm-hmm. uh, and, and still it's very life affirming and very meaningful as well. Mo- most of the film takes place in a in a flat, in, a, in the closed doors of a flat in Paris, and there, there are a lot of long shots of. Uh, of things that are apparently mundane, but they, they actually uh, say a lot about them and, and the states that they are in their life.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: there is this 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 moment uh, where, when this bird, uh, this pigeon, comes inside the flat through the window. Uh, it happens a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And it gets trapped in the flat. Uh, and I don't know, Maybe maybe it's a representation of the 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 reclusion or the involuntary reclusion of for <laughs> represents of self-care. care yeah. or the the lo- you know, the loss of freedom or mm. uh, this, uh, that the the illness can enforce and it, it's curious that I found a a similar metaphor in another film that I watched recently uh, barbarian sound studio. Uh, Which uh, I thought it was interesting, but I didn't enjoy as much as Amur. But in this case, the 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 main protagonist receives like the the visit of a spider. I'm not sure of what the Spider meant in in, <laughs> in, in, in that one. I, I think sometimes it's just hard to read uh, what, what what they mean with these with these yeah, things. Yeah, what But you ask. know, in, in the Berberian Sound Studio felt a bit forced, and uh, whereas in uh, uh, with Haneke's films like this this visual metaphors, I think they the, 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 the flow a bit better. Yeah, I think you can, can you can take you can. Swallow them better, I would say. <laughs> and uh, yes, uh, I think it's pretty much about the difficulties of dealing with the illness and with death, and uh, you know, as I said before, the loss of independence and the, the, the struggle to maintain dignity as well. But I think that overall, it's a film about you know what, the, like the title says, it's a film about love, uh, and it's a great film. That's my my number six. Uh, your number five, Chris. Uh,
1: my number five is kind of. The opposite of a i have kind of gonna go for a blockbuster for number five. Right. Uh, okay. Was, uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, okay. Of course, everyone's everyone's seen. It's not a hard film to.
0: Not to, a hard film to find.
1: No, no, it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty much everywhere. Uh, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Christopher Nolan's kind of epic conclusion to his inspired wow. revival of the Batman franchise. Uh, he kind of pulls out all the stops. Uh, for this one, you know, it's the final one. It's it's very big. It's very grand. Its scope is is huge. Um, it's it's an intelligent blockbuster. I think. Um, it's so much more than just a kind of a comic book movie. It's it's like a it's a searing philosophical drama as well as being a great action one. Um, one that asks you know lots lots of big questions. You know, the big questions. The the action set pieces I think are are inspired. Um, and the performances, I think especially Anne Hathaway has. This kind of Catwoman slash Selena Kyle is, it's a lot of fun. Bruce Wayne, as I
0: live and breathe, these conversations used to end with an unusual request. I retired. But well, let me show you some stuff anyway, just for old times sake. What's it called? The Bat. And yes, Mr. Wayne, it does come in
1: black. I think this would be the, I think this is my selection, my, my selection for the best. Um, Blockbuster of the year and best combat movie of the year, just right. over, um, just over um, Avengers. So yeah, Dark Knight Rises as my number number five. <laughs>
0: All right, I did I did see the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I, I, I I do I do respect actually a lot of uh, uh, the, the Nolan's uh, talent. You know, he's yeah. got a lot of talent. Very visual. Like he, he likes you know the action and the uh, everything to look very organic. And I like I like that yeah. approach. Uh, I have maybe a, a few problems with his politics in his film, but yeah, a, a part of that, I think, you know, he, he, he makes, he, he has that vision that like you said, and I, mm-hmm. I respect that. My, my number five, uh, that's, uh, I don't know if you can call it a blockbuster, but it's definitely a mainstream film uh, Life of Pi. Oh, okay. Mm. And uh, it's uh, an adaptation of. Uh, Best-selling novel by uh, Jan Martel. Uh, you probably saw the novel in a lot of you know, bookshops in the last few years. Uh, I that- it, it was directed by Ang Lee. Uh, he just makes anything. You <laughs> <laughs> can basically hire him to do, to do right. anything. Gun for hire. I think that's, that's his thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But he he does. He's great at what he does. He yes. Yeah. Whatever the genre, whatever the the film is. <laughs> and uh, for a for a big mainstream film I, I was uh, surprised by the lack of uh, movie stars because he, he has an unknown cast with the well with the exception of uh, of uh, the disgraced tax evader oh, yeah. Gerard yeah. <laughs>
1: New, new Russian resident,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you you probably seen him on TV, like uh, oh. dressed up as a as a traditional Russian with the, yeah, <laughs> and also like greeting Putin and all on all that. I, I I think he has uh, actually. I think his cameo is quite nice, uh, and it, it seems to be quite irrelevant at first, but it, it turns out to be essential. I think for the for the resolution of the story, mm-hmm. uh, and one of the interesting a- aspects of the life of Pie is that the uh, the narrative works on three levels because uh, we have the, what we are told or shown, we, we have what actually happened yeah. and uh, also what we believe that happened. Uh, and it has a very effective use of the 3D and uh, technology and also the CGI technology that, that makes it, uh, I'm going to use this uh, expression again, an immersive experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a film that, where most of the, st- the story takes place in a very limited space. Uh, and, and I think that here technology helps a lot to, m- to make a, a good use of that space. Uh, and in that sense, it, it serves the story. Uh, and I think that it will prove uh, wrong. Uh, many of the detractors of this 3 uh, d technology who say they keep saying that it's just a gimmick and well i, I don't i don't think all films should be made in 3 d but you know I'm a bit supportive of the of the technology and I, I i think we we cannot deny it anymore that most probably in the future films will be seen in a different way, so i think it's, yeah it, it's yeah. good that we start getting used to it <laughs> you uh, might uh,
1: as well embrace it you know embrace new technology rather than, rather than fighting against
0: it you know so I think. Exactly. It's like any. Uh, basically, it's like any other technology. Uh, it's 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 just a tool. Yeah. Right. Um, I think uh, visually is amazing. Uh, but it's it's not just the visuals. I think uh, the. Uh, I think he, he does a great job uh, because it, he's condensing a whole book in the, in a in a two-hour uh, film, and uh, I think it's very well, you know, very well told. Uh, it's a spiritual journey, uh, it has a lot of uh, philosophical questions, but it's still very accessible. Mm. Uh, it's uh, it's middle-brow, but in a good way. But mm. it, it is so simply told and, uh, that uh, you can actually mute the sound and still follow the story very easily. My name is Piper Patel.
1: I have been in a shipwreck. I am on a lifeboat alone with a tiger. Please
0: send help. And uh, well, like, with all this spiritual thing, it didn't actually convert me to any religions, but <laughs> it, it, it made me believe in the in the gods of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there aren't that many. But I think I, I would probably nominate Ang Lee as an addition to, to this uh, this group of immortals. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Let's, let, let's now talk about Tricycle uh, Tricycle is now in a transition time at the moment it will soon become uh, something else uh, the website has been moved to magazine.tricycle.com but I think I think you can still access it through tricycle.co.uk which is the original address uh, anyway uh, after the move you, you might have noticed that many of the links on Facebook uh, or uh, other sites don't work anymore and that the uh, the posts on the website are a bit all over the place but hopefully it can be fixed and it will look nice and shiny again and if we, if we can't get it fixed it might just get rebooted. Just stay tuned for the updates. You can subscribe to the Movie Wave on iTunes and every new episode will be automatically downloaded to your PC or iPhone. Join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Movie Wave and you will get regular updates on all the movie action. There is something for everyone. Now let's have a, let's have a wee break, and we'll be back with the rest of our top ten films of 2012.
1: As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. He was always a rather stupidly optimistic and I mean, I'm afraid it came as a great shock to him when he died. Now. You got a corpse in a car, minus
0: a head in a garage. Take me to it. Not you, Fed. Jesus, slide it on back. <laughs> and to the left.
1: Wolfman's God! Bratwurst.
0: Right Aren't we the optimist?
1: All every woman really wants, be it Mother Senator Nine, is so serious, deep dicking. Do you concur? Squirrel! Somebody's gotta go back and get a shitload of dyes!
0: You are listening to the movie Wave. The hammer is my penis. I'm kind of a big deal. Kyle
1: pile shit has a thousand eyes. <gasps> oh, he's an angel. He's an angel straight from heaven. I shall call him Squishy, and he shall be mine, and he shall be my Squishy. Oh, Stewardess. I speak child.
0: We deal lead, friend. They're coming to get you, Barbara.
1: It's a moral imperative. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Oh, well, This piece is called uh, Lick My Love Pump. My Grammy never gave gifts, you know. She was too busy getting raped by Cossacks. <laughs>
0: sometimes you win. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes it rains. Right, we're back and uh, we're getting to do the very top of uh, 2012. Uh, Chris, what's your number four? Uh, My number four is uh,
1: Rust and Bone, uh, the French film. Um, A French delight, I'd call it. Uh, It kind of fuses uh, melodramatic elements with a kind of bruising raw study of human human suffering. Uh, Marion Cortelard's amazing and it's uh, a brilliant as an orca trainer who's kind of turned into a paraplegic um, after a freak accident uh, who was kind of snubbed this morning from the Oscars which I think people have been a bit surprised at. I think she was one of the favorites to, to have a or- best actress nod but she's been uh, yeah forgotten in that so that's Did he awesome.
0: get the nominations for the BAFTAs? Uh, yeah, she got on the Bafta, and, like, as a, as best picture, I think.
1: I'm not yeah, sure. as best best foreign film, I think. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Ob- so
0: obviously. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it's a great turn from her. I think she really anchors the film uh, brilliantly. It's uh, it's a very violent film, but it has a strong, uh, very strong streak of humanity to it. It's uh, a, a very beautiful film, a stunning film, one of the one of the year's best. Uh, Rust and Bone, yeah, I definitely recommend that will be on DVD soon, I think So, uh, yeah, we should buy it on DVD Rust and Bone
0: (laughs) That's one I have to check out (laughs) My my, my number four is uh, Catastroica and it's a film that was financed with internet crowdfunding uh, something that's becoming very popular now Uh, The film has been actually touring Europe and exhibited in uh, some small art house screens, uh, outdoor cinemas, universities. Uh, It's also available to watch free on the internet. You can go to the website uh, catastroica.com and you can actually watch it there. And I say this first, so so we know that we're talking about a non-profit, independent film. It's a it's a documentary uh, about the terrible consequences of the privatization of the public sector in Greece. Uh, and it's a little dense, uh, but it's very informative. Uh, and I think that it really puts things in perspective. Uh, and it addresses the economic crisis in Greece and uh, uh, also in Europe, but not in the condescendant way that the mainstream media tends to do, mm. and it serves also as a warning of what could happen if we gave away our public services to private private companies, who are motivated by profit. And in, in Spain, it's happening actually right now. Uh, right wing politicians in the Madrid region plan to privatize six hospitals and uh, and several clinics. And there was a strike that lasted uh, five weeks. Uh, doctors and patients took the streets in a protest. But the, but the plan was eventually approved. Uh, and the, the, you, you see, the politicians didn't even want to negotiate. Uh, they don't care what people think or what yeah. people want. They don't even realize that privatizing doesn't really save you money. And it might save you something, maybe in the short term. But in the long run... It will come as very very costly, uh, financially and uh, socially, from my, my point of view, and uh, unfortunately this is just uh, a little taste of what uh, has yet to come, and I think that this is, uh, in, in, in that way this is a very important film, and it, it creates awareness, and it informs, uh, independently of uh, political and commercial interests. <laughs> So you have a lot of examples where services have been privatized prices have gone through the roof they haven't been well provided and they've had to to go
1: back and either regulate them or, or re-nationalize them um, in england for example they privatized their
0: trains proved to be a disaster
1: but Greece to me is a crime
0: scene it is a victim of a crime
1: to the government, I say stop, stop, you're destroying your society in subjecting yourself to the dictates of the international banks and the, the Troika, you're inflicting a historic ca- catastrophe on, on, on your society
0: So that's Troika, my number four. Uh, Chris, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is The
1: Master uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, follow-up so his multi award winning, there will be blood. Uh, this film features another kind of towering performance at at the center, from another kind of leading method actor. This time it's uh, Joaquin Phoenix and his performance as Freddie Quayle. And um, it's a hypnotic film. It's bizarre <laughs> as well, and it's quite difficult to watch uh, in places because there's, there's very little plot. I think that's one of the weak things weak weak things about the film. Um, but it kind of makes up for this because it has all this beautiful imagery this, this the stunning, uh, stunning cinematography. And the performances, I think, are probably the best thing about it as well. Um, Amy Adams, Joaquin Phoenix, and Philip Stephen Hoffman are all extraordinary in their own, in their own way. I'll uh, be known as the though the film as a whole has been snubbed. I think that's another big, a big shock. But uh, it's, it, it's a wonderful film, The Master. What do you do? I do many, many things. I am a writer, a doctor, a nuclear physicist, a theoretical philosopher. But above all, I am a man. Hopelessly inquisitive man, just like you. <laughs> well, I'm sorry if, if I got out of hand last night. It's cold and those... Hungry- Don't apologize. You're a scoundrel. <laughs> And as a scientist and a connoisseur, I have, I have no idea the contents of this remarkable potion. What's in it?
0: Secrets. number three. Absolutely. I think I think we like it the, the same way. Um, at least we like it the same amount. We have the same amount <laughs> of love for the <laughs> Because that's my number three, actually, the master. Uh, excellent. <laughs> uh, and it's this, this kind of film that you you don't know if you like it while you're watching it. but I, right. uh, well, at so, least that's the way it happened in my, in my case. Uh, and I, later it, it kind of grew on me. And uh, it's uh, it's a character study, basically, very light in plot, uh, but very rich in words. Mm. And uh, I said that before because we discussed this at the, at the on the podcast on our uh, Christmas Christmas episode, actually. <laughs> I think it's it's very unconventional, very challenging, and uh, you kind of uh, have to figure many things out by yourself. Uh, I really went along with it, and I must admit that I was a, a little bored at times. But <laughs> but that that that's not necessarily a bad thing. Boredom, because I think we we have become addicted to to entertainment. Uh, I think we demand we demand to be entertained constantly. Yeah. Uh, if we if we if we get on the bus and uh, we don't want the journey to be boring, we we just turn. Or our iPhones or Kindles, we put our headphones on. Or, you know, we had to be entertained. Yeah. If, we, if, we, if we are watching TV, uh, everything we see, we it has to capture our attention instantly, or, or otherwise we're just gonna change the channel. We're gonna do something something else. So there is, I think there is like an ADD epidemic, <laughs> which is probably product of this uh, fast-paced uh, modern lives that we have now, uh, technological lives, constantly. We are interrupted by all these commercial messages, and uh, something is always happening. And when nothing uh, happens, then we must do something. We, we're scared of boredom. We, we think that that if we are bored, we're dead. Mm. But, I, but I think that we we miss out on many things when when we are distracted. Uh, we, we don 't know the people that are sitting next to us on the bus uh, we don 't know we don't even know our friends. <laughs> How can we if we are uh, texting uh, instead of listening to them there are There are so many things that we assume that we know, but we, we really don't uh, we, and if we look through through the window, there are many things uh, happening out there and I think cinema is in some way the you know this window let it lets us look and observe and uh, make our own judgments and and what I love about Paul Thomas Anderson is how uncompromising his films are. He's just not gonna submit to the to the dictates of entertainment. He makes the films that he wants to make, and uh, I think he makes them his own way. And uh, he gives all the time to the to the characters, so we can get to know them well. And the, the characters, you know, they are personified perfectly by the by these the two great actors. I think mm. that the actor is superb. I think uh, that Joaquin Phoenix does a very physical and a very intense performance. But I, I think it's probably uh, Philip, Philip Simon Hoffman who's the most convincing, because I think that he embodies this leader of the cult uh, in a very convincing way, and I think that he gives this character complexity and charisma, and he's very magnetic. Yeah, so, I agree. I think many things to like in The, in, in the Master. I'm sorry I went, uh, <laughs> I went on a tangent a little bit. No, it was interesting. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was uh, important to address. Uh, right, uh, your number two, Chris. Uh, my number two film is Barbara. Okay. Uh, a, a dark,
1: slow-burning thriller from, uh, from German author Christian Petzold. It's uh, set in East Germany during the 80s. It's a doctor who's played by the German actress Nina Haas. Uh, he was kind of transferred to a small town hospital from Berlin as a punishment uh, for trying to kind of defect into the West. Um, it's a very powerful drama, drama, sorry, uh, very subtle and complex in its study of the human condition. It features a, a commanding performance by Haas and you know, Haas at its center, one of the strongest of the year, I think, though she's been forgotten by most of the awards, um, awards this year, which is a shame. Um, there's been a lot of comparisons to the kind of the lives of others. Another very prominent um, German film set during that time, like the 1980s, East Germany, West Germany. That, of course, won the best foreign language from Oscar a few years back. And um, it's a it's a film of counts, kind of, a film of stolen glances and secret heartache. It's it's very beautiful stuff. So yeah, that's my my number two, Barbara. All right. <laughs>
0: I think I actually saw the poster for this film at the, outside the film house, right? yeah. so yeah, with her riding the bike, like, so, yeah, 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 that was that was it. But I did actually get to see the film, so yeah, <laughs> something I need to take out now. Yeah, right. Uh, my number two is uh, Shame. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I know it was actually. Uh, and a lot of uh, probably in a lot of t- top tens for last year, but I yeah. think in the in the, in the UK it was <laughs> released this year. Uh, it was released uh, was it Beginning in January, January, yeah, January February, uh, and it's directed by Steve McQueen, uh, the director of Hunger, uh, not the actor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it stars uh, Michael Fassbender. Uh, and it, it I don't think it is an erotic film uh, like some people think. The, yeah. I, I know that there are you know there are some sex scenes, obviously. Uh, and some uh, frontal nudity as well by uh, Fazu Bender but I think that uh, uh, it is everything seems to be very unsexy and, and even a little bit sad at times uh, and it, it seems that uh, the director wasn't so interested in showing the sex as he wasn't showing what happens in the character's head uh, before, during and after sex and how they. They process their their desires or their needs and uh, uh, their their acts the regrets they have uh, and, and it's pretty much focused in the addictive side of uh, sex and all the problems uh, surrounding the addiction uh, I think a is great he, he, he plays a very dark character kind of self-loading and self-destructive character who he, he cannot build a lasting uh and loving relationship. the director doesn't tell us much about the characters uh, there are there are a few hints of uh, kind of a past family trauma, but part of that we just have to follow uh a fastbender in his uh, seductions and uh, and in his loneliness uh, his, in his provocations, as we in some of of the scenes, and also in his jokes in the night, I, I really, I really love the, the. I don't know for some reason I, I love to see fast Vendor jogging in the night in New York. I think it's, I think yeah. it, it looks it looks great, yeah. and, I, and I like its natural style because it's very uh, observational. There is no co- commentary. There is no judgment. Uh, I think that the emotional is, uh, is charged and uh, it's it's quite quite intense. And of course, you know, Faz Bendercu, I think he makes the film.
1: You're the man. Your pitch? Amazing, amazing. Yeah. To nailing it. Yes. To, nailing it. to nailing it. Yes. How'd it go last night? Good night. Uh huh. Let's do it again tonight. And my sister's playing downtown somewhere. Can I stay for a few days? Where's the family? That's my boss. Hey,
0: do you want to play?
1: Your hard drive is filthy. I mean, it is dirty. Slowly.
0: I'm trying to help you.
1: How are you helping me, huh? You come in here and you're a weight on me. You're a burden. You want to get out of here? I could take you somewhere. We're family we're meant to look after each other. Hey, Brandon please
0: will you pick up the phone? Mm-hmm. Right, what's
1: your number one, Chris?
0: we got there <laughs> to the number one <laughs> right. uh, number one film of the
1: year uh, is Searching for Sugar Man the, right. the documentary. All right. yeah that's it's one of the few films this year that really kind of struck a chord with me I watched it at the film house in Edinburgh and it just Almost brought a tear to my eye, just because it's. I just love the story and it's. It, it's an amazing documentary uh, by Swedish filmmaker Malik uh, Benjahal, I'm probably pronounced that wrongly, but anyway, it's. Uh, it's opened the, f- the Sundance Film Festival last year, I think, or at least played at it. And um, at the start, at the heart of the documentary, it's. It's this this extraordinary story of this lost musician uh, Rodriguez or Sister Rodriguez, who kind of cut these two great albums in the seventies in Detroit. It was kind of abandoned by the music industry when the albums didn't sell and it was forgotten. Um, and until so kind of these two diehard fans from South Africa tried to kind of track him down. And it's about these uh, basic that's the, the basis of the documentary. These two fans trying to find. This, this great musician who they believed kind of died on stage, there was this rumor that was spread about. Um, it's a very touching film, it's very beautifully shot, um, and very beautifully told, kind of uses a mix of um, grainy documentary footage and very kind of heartbreaking, revealing interviews with various people. And there's uh, some very stylish animated sequences as well. Um, yeah, I just thought it was an extra, I don't really like documentary cinema actually, but this is a rare documentary film that i truly loved uh, and it's my my number one film the for sugar man adored it if i had to name 10 artists that i've ever been involved with rugby used to be in the top five he's
0: my most memorable artist bob dylan was mild to this guy
1: he was this wandering spirit around the city when he opened up and sang he went Whoa! This
0: guy's got it. We expected big things, and they did absolutely nothing. How many records do you think he sold in America? In America, six.
1: Nobody had even heard of him. How can that be? How can that be?
0: It's a bit of a mystery how the first copy of Cold Fact came to South Africa, but to us, it was one of the most famous records of all time. He was the soundtrack to our lives, bigger than Elvis. Much bigger than writing stands. Any revolution needs an anthem. The message it had was be anti-establishment. The first opposition to apartheid. They were influenced by Rodriguez. Nobody knew anything about him. He was a mystery. What do you think of the music? Music? Yeah. I
1: as soon as I saw the film, I downloaded the. I downloaded both his albums. All right. And- the music—it has to be good. <laughs> the music is is stunning. I mean, he's being compared to like a, a Mexican uh, Bob Dylan, and you can kind of see that in the music. It's it's that kind of protesty folk stuff. It's it's very good. So I'd recommend getting, watch the film and then download the two albums. All
0: right, all right. I actually like. I heard many people talking great things about this film, so I really I really want to check it out. It's it's in my catch up list. So uh, <laughs> one more to towards there. One more. <laughs> Right, uh, my number one is Holy Motors. Uh, I I really love this film Uh, for many, many, many reasons. Uh, It's very original, it's mysterious, it's very unpredictable, uh, very entertaining, but as I said before, that's not the most important thing for me. (laughs) (laughs) I think it has the Probably the best performance of the year by the, the French actor Denis Lavant, uh, who who plays uh, Monsieur Oscar, uh, who, who happens to be an actor as well or, or a performer who is uh, transported by a limousine to, to many locations in Paris to play mm-hmm. to play many different characters in in different situations, uh, and I think that the what's different in his performance is that there, there are no cameras and uh, there is no audience. Uh, so mm. it's a kind of film that you watch and you don't really know what's going on. Uh, so you have you kind of have to go with it until you eventually get it. And um, I, do, I don't think it's a film about cinema, like uh, many people say. Well, it, it, it is at some level because you know it opens in a movie theater and it uh, plays with many film conventions and genres but I said that the, I said in the podcast before uh, uh, I think it's a film about the art of performance uh, mm. the character Monsieur Oscar is devoted to this art uh, and if you just uh, check the way he, he puts the makeup on or the wigs or the masks and uh, these uh, contact lenses fake contact lenses and the way he moves and uh, the way he he walks or talks. Uh, I think it's different in every character. And, and uh, hmm. you see there that there is a great dedication and love for a job. But uh, this is just part of why I took out of the film because there is a lot more, you know, there is there's a lot more about life and death and love and sex, and, uh, many, many things, it's a, it's a big cocktail. Uh, and I, I think it, it deserves uh, more views. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really willing to watch it again uh, soon and uh, I think that with the time probably we will gain this status of classic
1: Who are we? Who are we?
0: So that's uh, that's my number one, Holy Motors. Thanks. All right, Chris, so do, do you have any honourable mentions? Uh, yeah, I got a few, uh, East of Southern Wild. I think that
1: that's uh, that's wonderful. That's that's a big. That just missed out my list. Uh, and uh, Ben Affleck's Argo was was wonderful as well. And what um, uh, and, and the Hobbit, I think as well, just because I'm just a huge Lord of the Rings fan and. Jackson fans so I have to include The Hobbit in some capacity so yeah those are my, my honorable mentions for this year
0: okay um, I haven't seen Argo yet uh, that's one I have to check out uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild I've, I've seen that one I liked it uh, I wasn't like astonished if you could say I, I like some aspects of it uh, there were some other aspects that seem to be fake to me but uh, yeah it's a, it's a well regarded film uh, absolutely yeah. Well, in my honorable mentions, uh, I have the Cabin in the Boots. Uh, it's a very geeky and uh, surprisingly very good horror or fantasy okay. horror, if you want to call it. Then there is uh, Headhunters. I really like this film. It's it's ridiculous. And, uh, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a Norwegian thriller. Uh, I, re- I really recommend it uh, to to anyone and that they want to have a good time. Um, mm-hmm. Then there is this, uh, this another Scandinavian film, uh, uh, Oslo, August 31st, which is like a day in the life of a recovering drug addict mm. who's uh, having a hard time to, to, to get his life back. Uh, the, the comedy To Run With Love, that's a uh, Woody Allen's, uh, I, think, I think it's a tribute to, to the Italian comedy tradition. I think it was great, very funny. Uh, There was also a film, an action film, that I think it takes the the genre of action uh, to a higher level, the rate. Uh, uh, Monsieur Lassart, that's a French-Canadian film that I found very humane. Uh, and also, I have to put a uh, Spanish film at least, <laughs> in, at, least yeah. at least in the honorable mentions. <laughs> uh, that's uh, Juan Antonio Bayona's uh, English speaking follow up to The Orphanage, uh, The Impossible, which oh. I, I thought, I thought was great. Uh, so now that we, we've done this, li- this list finally, we've, we've <laughs> gone through the top 10. Uh, we don't want to go through the top. Uh, we don't want to go through the bottom ten. But
1: no, uh, a, a bit grueling. Uh,
0: yeah. We we, ha- we actually did that on the first episode. But I, oh, really? I think yeah. I, what I prefer to do now, I prefer to just pick our biggest disappointment uh, of 2012, and yeah. that that film that we put a lot of expectations on, and uh, it doesn't deliver. Mm. So, Chris, what's your biggest disappointment of 2012? Uh, my biggest disappointment
1: of 2012 was uh, Anna Karenina. All right. uh, I'm a big fan of the kind of the, the Kira Knightley, Joe Wright collaborations up until this point. I really think Atonement was a complete masterpiece. I just love that. So I had very kind of high expectations for this. You know, all the pieces seemed to be kind of into place, like the very grand Russian source novel, the, all the period costumes and the set design. It just kind of felt that it was going to, it was all going to work, but in the end, I think it fell flat, flat on its face, <laughs> to be perfectly really honest. I think the decision to set up the whole film as kind of a piece of theatre kind of threw me threw me off completely. I don't think that was a very good idea. And I really like Keira Knightley as an actress. I think she's quite underrated, but her performance here I think is just doesn't go deep enough. I mean, Anna Karina is one of the great kind of tragic heroines of literature, and I don't think her performance, there's not really enough to kind of all surface. It's like a Vogue fashion shoot, I think. Why are you leaving Moscow? What else can I do? I have to be where you are. Stop, that's enough. Go back to Kitty. This is wrong.
0: It makes no difference.
1: You have no right.
0: It makes no difference.
1: You must forget me. If you're a good man, you'll forget everything. And you, will you forget I was very disappointed by Anna Karenina, because I was really looking forward to that, and I was just very disappointed, yeah, Anna
0: Karenina. All right, um, I haven't actually seen it. Well, I, I, I've seen the the original in black and white, oh, yeah. or, or, or one of the adaptations, I don't know how many there are. Probably... <laughs> doesn't. I, I guess I, I shouldn't check that one out. Then. Yeah, I just avoid
1: that.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, my biggest disappointment is... Uh, you're going to hate me for this, Chris. <laughs> well,
1: you got one of my time, don't you?
0: <laughs> This one from, from the top ten. Uh, my biggest disappointment is Prometheus. Uh, uh-huh. It's a really Scott's uh, film uh, uh, in which he resurrects the franchise. Uh, it was already resurrected. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think the the motive uh, here isn't a creative one. I think that the there is not it's not so much that there is a need to the, to tell something that needs to be told. I think that the motive here is is more money, or oh, that's the impression I got uh, from watching the film, because uh, first of all, like he deliberately delivers an an unfinished product in order to 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 sell DVDs and multiply the editions and. I don't know, he'll probably release a director's cut and then another final cut
1: really sure the director's cut somewhere down the line. Sure that, yeah.
0: And then, and then multiply the dollars at the same time <laughs> I, I, and I think that the, what he wants to make of Alien is what Lucas made of Star Wars, I think it's just like uh, kind of uh, getting the, all the juice, all the like, financial juice out of it yeah. And uh, there is like as we said before, like really Scott like he has uh, he's great with the visuals and uh, you know he's gonna deliver in that aspect at least technically it's gonna be great and I think there is a lot of uh, candy to the eye and uh, but when it comes to content, I think it's uh, a bit of a, an empty dish. Uh, an empty dish uh, with uh, pretentious garnish. <laughs> Let's say. <see. Good> <laughs> that that's my opinion. I, I I understand that there are many people who who like like you who actually love it, and uh, I respect that. But uh, for me, if, if it disappointed me. Okay. Cool. Right. Uh, now, before we wrap up, uh, we're gonna look back at the year, and we what's what do you think, Chris? Do, do you think it was a good year, two thousand and twelve? Was it a good year for films?
1: Yeah. Overall, I mean. This year I, I didn't actually go to the cinema as much as so I would have liked. I think in 2011 I was uh, at, at the movies so often, but this year I was a bit, a bit, a bit slack. And um, overall, I think there was a lot of, a lot of great material, a lot of great kind of Hollywood blockbusters and kind of European art, art houses. Uh, yeah, overall I think there was a, a lot to love in 2012 in the movies. Yeah.
0: Well, there there are there are many films made in one year, so it's, yeah. it's really hard to actually.
1: I know it's just, it's hard to kind of cast the gaze back for the twelve months and remember what was out in like February. and You're like, oh. absolutely.
0: absolutely. <laughs> I'm, 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 right now, I'm really catching up with all the films that I missed, and they, mm. they are, they're probably going to win a lot of awards and all of that. And, uh, I think that for all these films that they are they are actually made. Uh, what happens is also that there are very few that get a, a, re- a general release that are, that they are you know accessible to us and. Uh, I think that there are. We had many comic book adaptations. Uh, I like I, yeah. like. I like to call in superhero films. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, we have. You know, we have the uh, Avengers. Uh, the we have the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, there were some re, uh, many remakes as well. We have the to- Total Recall remake. Uh, we had some sequels uh, like many Black Three or Take- Taken Two, and the mm-hmm. Twilight. Three or four or, or, or five, I don't know, <laughs> or 5.0, <5.2. laughs> uh, but I think that there were some original films as well, and uh, I think that for, for I know that for this list I have picked a lot of slow films, and uh, I, I, I think I like I like watching slow films. I think they are a good counterbalance to to the fast-paced commercial movies, which I like watching as well. and hmm. uh, You know, these slow films sometimes they can test my patience yes. uh, yeah. but very, very often they are, they are the most rewarding so I always keep an eye on them um, some of the films I have picked they uh, have a lot to say about uh, the t- times that we live in now uh, the, the kind of critical and revolutionary times that we live in like Tahir Liberation Square or Uh these two films actually didn't get a general release change uh, 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 You know, that's what happens. I I have picked films that uh, I think they dissect quite well the the human behavior uh, and relationships and family, like The Master and Newlyweds. And -hmm. uh, and also some films that I think they prove that commercial cinema also has a heart, uh, Mm -hmm. like uh, Life of Pi or Looper. But I think it was definitely Holy Mortals, the one that reminded me that... uh, uh, Of the value of art, because whether it is music, theater or film, I think art is a powerful tool uh, and it helps interpreting and understanding life. And uh, I think it also hints that uh, we can have as many lives as we wish. Mm. It's just all up to us. Well, a few hours ago, it was uh, released the list of the Oscar nominees. uh, And I just want to mention the titles nominated for Best Picture. Amour, uh, which was my number six, got five nominations. Uh, Argo, that was uh, Ben Affleck's film, got seven nominations. Beasts of the Southern Wild, uh, which uh, you, you had in your list, had four nominations. Uh, honor, uh, what, what, it was the Honorable Mention. I think yeah, right? honorable, honorable Mention. The Chained uh, Tarantino's latest film, got three nominations. Les Miserables, uh, the, the musical with Russell Crowe singing ma- badly, <laughs> got seven nominations. Uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, Lincoln, uh, the film about Abraham Lincoln, uh, got uh, 12 nominations. Life of Pi, uh, Anglic's film, uh, got uh, 11 nominations. Silver Linings uh, got seven nominations. Zero Dark Thirty... Uh, that's Catherine Bigelow's uh, film about The Hunt for Osama Bin Laden. Mm. It got five nominations. So what's your prediction, Chris? Uh, uh, what title do you think he will get the Oscar for Best Picture this year?
1: Uh, I think probably the film with the most nominations, Lincoln. I think that's the firm favourite at this point. Uh, earlier on, I, I, it was more of a two-horse race between Lincoln and Zero Dark Thirty. But based on nominations, and the fact that Catherine Bigelow was omitted um, from the best director list which was quite shocking oh. uh, I think Lincoln's going to be the film to beat basically um, which I haven't seen it yet it hasn't really been released in the UK yet but I'm not a huge Spielberg fan so I'm not really looking forward to that All one right. I, I, I wouldn't bet against that come Oscar night for best picture do you think I he think will get my...
0: best director as well considering he's got two already as, yeah. as a director I think so yeah let right. film to beat okay uh, I think I would say let's miss it, uh, Sorry for my French pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know why really, because uh, I don't know. I've got the feeling that this is the kind of film that the Academy normally votes for. Or, uh, normally I think because it's for.
1: a musical and it's got like huge stars. Yeah, the Academy, the Academy love that kind of stuff, so it'll probably quite well. It's
0: yeah. gonna happen like with Chicago. Uh, I think it's going to a lot of awards as well. Huh? But we have to we have to wait uh, the uh, the actual ceremony actually is on the 24th of February so we'll have all to right. wait till then uh, to wow. see what happens. <laughs> right, I think we can wrap up now uh, and uh, thank you, Chris, for uh, joining the show and for sharing your thoughts and uh, for sharing your top ten list. That's no problem at all. It's always it's always fun. Um, well, can you tell the listeners where where they can find more about your work?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh- the film magazine I had white coffee magazine. Uh, if you just it's got a website www.whitecoffeemagazine.com. Um yeah so come and come and check it out.
0: Some good stuff on there. All right, that's uh, whitecoffeemagazine.com. Yep. All right, so this is it for episode 30 of the Movie Wave podcast. Uh, Tricycle magazine is now responsible for the content of this program and all opinions and views expressed on the show are solely of the individuals. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be surfing the wave. One more time.
1: Why are you crazy? The fall will probably kill you. Goonies never say
0: die. Follow me or perish, sweater monkeys.
1: Demented and sad,
0: but social. Trackouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist. I've been thinking with my gut since I was 14 years old. And frankly speaking, I've come to the conclusion that my guts have
1: shit for brains. Done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. I want you to remember this face here, okay? This is the guy behind the guy behind the guy.
0: When someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes!
1: This podcast is a production of Calvinet Entertainment for Tricycle Magazine. Find out more at tricycle.co.uk that's (laughs) t-r-i-s-i-c-k-l-e.co.uk
0: You know, one thing I, uh, I noticed when I, when I was making the list, what happened to Nicolas Cage this year?
1: Nicolas Cage? What, what, what about um, him? There, there, there,
0: there, there, there were no films with Nicolas Cage this year. it's kind of weird. I, yeah, I, but... I wonder if he's okay. <laughs>